Hey folks, welcome to the Anaguzdala podcast. A little late again, and something that's becoming a recurring theme over the past weeks and months is being sick. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm not sure how long I'm going to be able to last today, and um, I don't doubt that I'm going to dissolve into a fit of coughing at some point. And uh, this week it got a little more serious than it ever has before, and was literally my first actually my first ever trip to urgent care in 25 years of living in the US. So that, that was like a, not not necessarily a, a welcome landmark, but one nonetheless, I realized like, oh, I've never done this before. I had to ask my wife, like, what do I even ask them when I go in there? Like, I had no idea about checking in as a patient or what the process was. Was it going to be quick? Was it going to be long? Last time I remember doing anything like that was being a kid or being in my teens maybe and going to uh, what do they call it a and e i think in the uk accident and emergency um but yeah so that was that was my early sunday morning when i would much rather have been in full health and full swing and taping the podcast and and you know talking about a bunch of different things i was actually sitting there waiting to be seen by a doctor and um turns out it's pretty bad bronchitis and here we are, Tuesday, that had already been three or four days, it had been getting bad. I was like, okay, I think this is worthy enough of going to the uh, going to urgent care. And um, here we are, Tuesday, getting towards lunchtime here. And uh, with the help of some fisherman's friend, I hope they're going to be my friend. You guys know these things. Um, it's helping kind of keep the throat lubricated a little bit i hope i'm going to be able to get through some of the podcasts i just didn't want to leave it much longer um and there are so many things going on number one the new book is out look at this if there's one good thing that came from the delay of the podcast is that um i actually managed to get a physical copy of the giant steps book if you're watching on youtube you see this if you're not go over to youtube and um Check out this beautiful cover Chelsea made, and the, the book is here, the new book. It's been six months of nothing but giant steps in my life, and now it's all sort of encapsulated in this book, and uh, it's, I mean, it's a huge workload off my mind now, because it really has been occupying sort of all day of every day. That's sort of how the book cycle works. And towards the end of it, I started thinking like, oh, I started getting a, a lot of questions. Cause I started talking about it a little bit in the blog and getting questions and, um, and have just generally over the years had questions about, well, how does that work? Like, what is the process of like making a book? And the bigger question, actually, the, the more macro question is like, how do you make money as a musician? So I've been scripting a new video for the, for the main YouTube channel about exactly that. So there, this wasn't just the podcast I wanted to be getting done on Sunday. I, I was also really looking forward to making this video and breaking down things, you know, for everything, like all the revenue streams and just, uh, you know, being creative and, uh, and, and sharing all this information with everyone. I don't think it's anything that should be a big secret. I know that money is, uh, is an uncomfortable topic to talk about. And, um, I don't think there's anything that shouldn't be shared, uh, at least not from my side. I don't mind at all. So I've been, been working on this video. I haven't, been able to, I haven't been able to talk for more than, you know, three minutes at a time. 
if that. So making a 15, 20 minute YouTube video in super, you know, detail was not on the cards. Thankfully, I could sit there in silence and write the script. So I did. So that's going to come out this week. And also, it was just a bummer to have launched the book uh, Thursday or Friday or whenever it was, and then be completely out of commission, like no follow through, no launch weekend, no promo, no nothing. Basically, it sort of just went, hey, it's here. And then just sort of fizzled away. I was hoping to hit every sort of outlet at the same time and do as much promo as I could. It's always good to do that to help the success of the book. Um, So that's been really, really slow. Very, uh, very unusual for me. Normally I'm like at full strength and it's all sort of coordinated. And that's something I'll talk about in the YouTube video as well, like how important all that stuff is and look back on some of the more successful and the less successful launches of books in the library over the past uh, five or six years. I want to share all that stuff. So that's coming soon. I also have things like, you know, brand deals and stuff that uh, are in motion, but have been put on pause because I just literally can't produce the content. So that's another sort of concern is there's the one concern, you know, public facing to you, the audience, but then also behind the scenes, it's like, oh, I've got people waiting on me here. Um, this is sort of a different, yeah, it's a kind of a different setup now. Now that I made a bit of a push with the YouTube channel and it started to gain some traction and have these brands approaching me and thankfully like kind of brands that are really, um, relevant to what I'm doing. I'm actually going to, I feel so bad. Like, um, there's a company called Sonar Works that have this thing called Sound ID reference. I'm going to give them a plug in this podcast, even though I'm not contractually bound to do that. Um, I feel bad that I've had this stuff sitting here for two weeks and haven't been able to use it, but it's actually something I'm genuinely kind of, again, this is not an ad, um, but I'm genuinely, you know, interested and excited to use, <coughs> especially when I really don't know so much about mixing and about audio as much as I sort of do it and I sort of have the thing that works and the podcast sounds cool and everything. I think there's definitely some space to to squeeze some more uh, efficiency out of my process and tuning my room here, my studio, so I hear things better. I'm very interested to see how much of a difference that makes. So when they got in touch and said, hey, we have this product and it does this thing, you know, you put a mic in the room and then you tune your room and and these headphones, they sent me these badass headphones. You can do it for headphones as well. I was like, oh, this is perfect. I can, I might even put the ad for that in the video about, uh, about, you know, obviously that makes sense because it's a brand deal about how I make money in general, but also about how I'm improving my setup and my approach to YouTube. So for someone like me who's not a professional engineer, like any help I can get, the the, the better. You know, I t- I speak to friends and I get like, oh, use this plug in and maybe this setting will help you. I'm always gathering information like that. So whether it's a um, a tip from a friend who's a pro, or whether it's a product like this, uh, I'm kind of always looking for the little bit of edge that can help up my production situation. So I'm actually I'm I'm bummed that I haven't been able to get this in. Uh, in a video yet and at the same time I'm I'm excited to be able to do it Um, hopefully this week as well if the voice today's kind of the test I throw up the microphone and the camera see let's see if I can get through an episode of the podcast today's the test Um, if I can do it sort of nice and low-key and not stress today maybe I can start getting into producing these videos that I need to make actually that I want to make I really want to do the one, you know, I was aiming to hit 100,000 subscribers on the main channel by the end of April, and we are, 
Oh dear. I mean, it's a massive fail. It's April 25th right now and I'm nowhere close to it. So I want to make a video talking about that um, and about what I'm doing and what my approach is for the YouTube channel. Um, and despite, you know, not having made it to a hundred thousand followers by the end of April, there's still been a huge impact on the channel, on the audience, uh, kind of all around basically, um, by just adding even just eight or 9,000 new subscribers in the past couple of months. That's, that's a big bump for me. And it's opened up a lot of doors, like more brand deals have come because of that. And the, the, the the channel is on the radar a little more and who knows, I haven't started to sell any concert tickets yet, but the the whole goal in the first place was to sell concert tickets was to make people aware of the fact that my main thing is actually not making videos for YouTube. It's playing live with my band uh, recording, of course, and then playing live with the band. So, um, yeah, all those, all those things and all those elements will be explained on the main channel, uh, in the next I don't know, five to six days, five to 10 days, maybe let's be realistic about it. I want to make them good productions. I know those things take time. Um, I really should make a video on just how I make a YouTube video. I've getting a a lot of questions about that. People have seen that I'm spending more time investing more in the production value and learning more of skill sets. Um, Definitely with editing, with titling, with coloring, with, uh, pacing, scripting, you know, lighting, the whole thing. I'm definitely, (coughs) (coughs) and there it is. The the coughing fit has started. Um, I'm definitely working harder on that. And people have noticed that and have been some really nice comments and Hey, definitely noticed the bump in, in production quality in the YouTube channel. I'm digging it and new subscribers coming in and saying, uh, saying some nice things. And with that come, questions, you know, Hey, what camera are you using? What lighting, you know, what editing software, all of those things. So I definitely want to make a video about that as well. Um, I think I have in the past, but my setup and my process has changed so much. It would be good to update that. <coughs> I also noticed one of my, uh, one of my very well viewed videos, maybe 150 or 200,000 views is a video about synth bass and using pedals to create synth bass sounds. So I'd love to do an updated version of that. I think that was maybe six or seven years ago. And my, uh, my setup for that has definitely changed. And, um, it'd be, it'd be cool to sort of do the synth bass pedal thing, like 2.0 video. So there are tons of things on the shooting list and I have a, I always have notes going on here on my phone and I have one called shooting schedule, <clears throat> so when whenever I have an idea, I just put it down. Then it's good because I have dozens. I mean, probably almost a hundred ideas in here, um, including stuff. You know, the last video that came out. You know, if I could only have one pedal, that turned into the last video on the main channel. It was like, okay, if you could only leave the house with one pedal, what would it be? <clears throat> and I made this. It was quite an involved video, and I did a bunch of playing. I even played slap. I you know highlighted a bunch of different uh ideas for pedals and it was one of the worst performing videos on the channel so in terms of figuring out what it is to do on the main channel and what works and what doesn't i'm a little bit uh at a loss because i'm trying different things and uh, i'm not sure which thing is really like i don't want to just do the thing because it gets lots of views um i want to do it because i want to do it so 
uh, maybe I'm leaving money and views on the table there by avoiding certain things. Uh, but so far of the last few months where I've been experimenting, it's the Federa video, the controversial um, video that got the most views, the most thumbs up, the most comments, the comments were pretty crazy and the most traction basically. Um, but I can't just make videos about like controversial topics because I don't have that many stories that are that controversial, nor do I really want to sort of air dirty laundry like that in a public forum so much, uh, especially not, you know, not just for views. So it's an ongoing, uh, research kind of quest to see what works and what doesn't. Um, so we'll see, I have a bunch of things here. Um, let's see, uh, 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 um, I was actually right in the middle of making a video about flight cases. I've had this thing. Um, I was in Portland recently, uh, and I got to hang out with my my buddy Damien Erskine, great bass player and good friend of mine for many years. And uh, we were having dinner. We were talking about flight cases, and he has the SKB bass safe. And he he was saying, like, yeah, I've seen your videos, and yours have fallen apart, whatever, but mine's totally cool. And then I get this text from him. Let's see, where is it? Damien, Damien, Damien. This was a few days ago. I get this text from him saying something along the lines of, yeah, he was on the road and, and the, the thing that broke on mine also finally broke on his as well. Uh, is this the one? Why don't I see the image? Yeah, I don't think he's going to mind me showing you this. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, you it's kind of tough to see in the phone there. But basically the buckle, it's the clasp on the SKB base safe that's an absolute piece of shit. Because it's plastic. It's really, really plastic. And I think Damien's um, safety fix, like his security, his insurance policy was, I want to say it was a dog collar. Like literally a dog collar that he put around the two handles where the two pieces of the case come together. Um, just in case the clasp would break, there would be something there to hold the thing together and easy for TSA to, you know, tie it back up again. I had used, uh, cable ties, zip ties on mine before, but once you cut those, um, obviously they're done and I would leave spare ones really obviously inside the case, but the amount of times it broke and then the TSA just like, I, they, they would just ignore those cable ties. They're just not, I don't know. I don't want to talk shit about someone. Maybe they were having a bad day, but in the 25 to 30 years I've been flying with stuff like that, uh, they don't, they don't do themselves a lot of favors in terms of the benefit of the doubt. Shall we say it's really hard for me to give these TSA people the benefit of the doubt. Cause it's, it just feels like they're not trained at all or they don't care. I, I don't know what it is, but the luggage is sort of the last priority that they're bored to be there they're not being paid enough money i don't know what what it is but um it it has not been a pleasant experience shall we say when it comes to things like that so anyway long story long um (coughs) i was up in portland i was talking to damien about that um I'm traveling with this SKB, like this i-series case, which is just a big, it looks almost like a keyboard case that I have a gig bag inside, but it's also not ideal. It's super bulky, even though it has wheels, total pain in the ass. I'd love to go back to the base safe um, again because it's compact, but but also allows me to take a gig bag with me. Um, 
and it started, this was like a few weeks ago, it started to get me thinking, okay, let me, let me do a flight case uh, video. It's really, I, got, I was getting so many questions about it because I was back on the road and people were seeing like what, what I was using and asking me what the best solution was. And I'm, last week before I got sick, I was like halfway through filming like a bunch of this stuff. I was filming all the B-roll and getting all my flight cases out of the storage and stuff. And Adam Neely pops up with a whole video, like 20 minute video or something about flying with the instrument and he had clipped uh, something from a, a vlog of mine from like six years ago where I talked briefly about it about the joys of not carrying an instrument on the plane I still believe that's the way to go so I was like oh shit I texted him but he didn't get back to me I don't know w- what that was about maybe change his number or something but I just said uh, maybe I'll put this one on hold and we could do so, like some in-person um back and forth about it because I think it would be interesting to get a different takes on a different concepts. I'm obviously like team check the bass, like never carrying an instrument on again, as long as I live, that's a, that's not something that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, I hope for the rest of my life, I think is a total ball ache. Um, so I'd love to get like the deeper perspective from someone like Adam who wants to carry his instrument on and still plays the game and fights with the, with the gay agent. It's just a, a way to me, after all these years, it's just a total waste of time. Um, so anyway, they, I don't know why I got into that, but they're just all of these videos um, in my shooting schedule. Some partially filmed like that one. And then when I saw that video come out, I was like, oh, shit. Um, cool to see Adam's video, of course. But then like, oh, I don't really want to release something that's kind of similar but it's not really trend jacking. I think that's what the, the cool term the kids use these days, right? Um, I don't know. It just like felt like then the wrong time to do it. And then I was just sick. So I didn't even get to finish the script. I, I got like I, m- most of the way through the B-roll um, and like shooting some voiceovers and stuff. But I still got like probably eight minutes of audio to shoot, to script it out and, and shoot. So that's one of the ones that's in there. And then I've just got notes here, like, I'm not the youngest guy in the room anymore. That's another one to make. Um, there's that moment in your life where you, it really that's literally it. You're just not the youngest guy in the band anymore. And not only are you are not the youngest guy, but maybe you're also the band leader or the person in charge. You have more responsibility and sort of the the arc that that has taken throughout my life. And here I am, 44 years old, and that is just starting to be, just starting to be more of a thing. I'm, uh, maybe I just worked with people who are vastly older than me for way longer than I should have done, but um, that is definitely starting to be a thing now. Um, there's a video I want to make called The Hardest Thing I've Ever Had to Play, which is this Michael Brecker transcription. I came across all these archive videos of me practicing this super hard transcription and how frustrating that was. And in those videos, just me with the cell phone sitting on the desk filming myself working on those things and the frustration is um i think you'll find it quite amusing (laughs) (coughs) shit i can't laugh too much um five mistakes all bass players make when trying to play fast uh how to choose the perfect four string um differentiate between risk and perceived consequence Ten thousand hours i mean there's just so many um so many ideas here and stuff that's some of these are in like sort of pre-production in terms of i've started scripting them um technique is not speed um the hx stomp is having some engine trouble i have a great thumbnail for that already 
I'll probably share that in in the blog soon, just because I like the thumbnail. I really need to make the video, but the HX Stomp is having some engine trouble under the hood, and not a lot of people realize what's going on, and if it was fixed, it would change that pedal from being, like, great to being, like, invincible. Um, so, yeah, warm up like a pro. Bad magazines ruin sight reading. Uh, this is so many so many ideas here and magazines did kind of ruin sight reading with fucking tab um i get those ideas when i'm getting deep into a book like this because i have to put tab in uh in my books otherwise i'll sell zero copies and uh, i just wish there was a way to advocate for more uh more awareness of standard notation and um i wish i had the patience to sit down and philosophize about the just how to be more kind about telling people uh, Tab is stupid. I, I'm st I still believe Tab is stupid, but I, I'd like to find a way to be more eloquent about that and to state my case a little more thoroughly without pissing people off. Because I know, like, for some people, it's the only way in. Um, and obviously, for some people, the goal is, is just... Uh, hey, you want to enjoy something and you want it to be quick and it's a Saturday afternoon thing for you. It's not a career. So there's a, a big range, big scale there, big spectrum where people exist on, where people exist. And yeah, it just, it, it, it's probably the most frustrating thing about the book writing process is doing the, is doing the tab. And then somebody, where was that? On YouTube, there was some clown was like had had identified a mistake in the tab on a book from like six years. I think it was in Chordal Harmony. And there was literally one note in the entire book where the number on the tab staff was wrong. And the, the ironic thing was they, they had identified that it was wrong. It was just on the wrong string. So it made a stretch almost impossible. Uh, they'd identified that it was wrong. They'd also identified what it should be and how to play it, yet still felt the need to completely hammer me uh, for being, as they put it, unprofessional. I just It went on and I was a diatribe of, um, of, of roasting me for making this one mistake in, you know, I don't know, probably 10,000 notes in that book that, uh, that could possibly... I mean, it's no excuse for a mistake. I'm just saying... It happens, and the fact that it didn't change really anything, um, <clears throat> and also highlights to me like the, the the stupidity of tab as well. It's like if you if you just knew where that note was on the instrument, which they obviously did because they fixed the, the they even detailed fixing the issue themselves. Like they did the the music copy work for me and said, "Oh, it was this, and it should be that, and here's why, and that's the interval, and this stretches in part." They like identified every facet of it, but still felt the need to roast me on it. So every time that happens, it it sort of fires up my anti tab. Uh, mechanism but again i do wish i had more of a an eloquent way of um stating my case and just highlighting to people that standard notation is is so much more freeing and um you can get access to so much more music that way um anyway enough enough ranting about tab 
um, we should uh, we should move on. And um, the giant steps thing, because I'm just sitting here like messing. With, I always love the book, like when when you can actually hear and feel oh, all the things. Um, what I had wanted to be doing all this weekend, aside from all the stuff I told you about, the promo and making a video dedicated to giant steps and, you know, really pushing the fact that the book is out there and don't be put off by the title because it's not about being a burning giant steps player. It's about using it as the exercises, as the exercise it was originally intended as. And the book opens with simple walking baselines in two just making all the harmony and that can be applied to you know every single song ever written so it's uh, yes complex uh you can make it complex for sure but it doesn't have to be and um i think the more you can get sort of simple ideas and things that advance your confidence as a musician um Especially when, I, the thing I like about this is that you can use it really simply, but it will advance you to some some places you've perhaps never been before. I think that's what I like about it the most. It's like a regular two five one will sort of get you so far in, in terms of the underlying harmony, but it will still just be a two five one. And when you advance to like the Coltrane changes, it gives you all of these other parameters and colors and areas to explore. <coughs> Which I think is, you know, if you can if you can tackle that from a really basic standpoint, so you don't get put off, and you suddenly like, oh shit, okay, I can get from here to here to here to here to here, and you know, do dee do dee do, like the 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 basic root motions of it. It's when you can understand that, and of course with the play alongs, that's why I put the play alongs there. It's like when you can do it as close to reality as possible. Like that's the whole point of the play along. It's not being in a room with a band we can't do that every single day at home but the play along helps you at least repeat the thing over and over and over again with good time with piano chords with drums you know fulfilling the role of a bass player when you can repeat that over and over again when you know like oh i have a goal of internalizing this harmony and i have a method to achieve that goal and that method and that goal is really simple at the end of the day. And I shouldn't be overwhelmed by it. I should just do it. When you have that, when that's your access point, um, I think that's the most like rewarding part of the book for me. I mean, of course, the transcriptions at the end are burning and it's Chris Potter and it's, it's Pamathini and it's all these linear ideas and this is super dense um, vocabulary at the end of the day. But and yes, that is rewarding as well. And that translates into my playing, regardless of whether I'm playing giant steps or not. But I think the most rewarding part as an author, as a teacher, as an educator, the most rewarding part of the book is to imagine somebody getting into that world through the, through the easiest possible door, just like swinging the door wide open and saying, hey, walk through here. Um, this is where it's at and this is how you can achieve it. That's always nice to to find that um, to find that method for something that's, you know, perceived as being quite complex. And there's a, there's a great listening, uh, library in here as well. I, I try to get so many different versions of giant steps and slow, fast, reharmonized, all kinds of stuff just to say like, Oh wow, this thing can sound super different and it can sound super different while still being giant steps. Never mind when you use Coltrane changes in other, uh, it, you know, in other situations. So, so many things in there 
that I was very happy to include in the book. Um, and I really wanted to be actually just playing these exercises. So I was super loose and, you know, competent sounding, shall we say, um, in the videos. And even though I haven't been able to talk that much and I've been coughing like crazy the last few days, I've been trying to practice and I'm having some issues with the action on the bass. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll try and hold this up for you. See where, so you can see where I, we are at. I don't know how we do that. Of course, everyone's going to be like, everyone's going to have their opinion. Oh, that's not high action. And you know, or that's, way too high or you're crazy or I don't know um, maybe it's easier to see on the lower string I don't know but that's where I'm at and uh, I'm having some issues with the feel of the instrument and just getting the tension right and I noticed that my um, my technique uh, like my, my fingers got weak um, from having like not moved and really not done anything for you know four or five days <coughs> definitely not played played bass or anything <coughs> Ooh, la, la. so it's uh sort of a it, it, you know not only recovery mode with my health but recovery mode with my playing now as well this is sort of maybe the most i've felt my um physical ability uh being affected in a very, very long time, um, from just from some time off and from some, you know, poor health. And this time that I feel like the muscles in my fingers, not responding the way I want them to technique, definitely not being the same, almost having to relearn a couple of things. And, you know, I'm used to like, just sort of clicking my fingers and being able to go even not a hundred percent, but at least 80%, um, of my ability being sort of the foundation and I feel in the last I woke up this morning I tried to practice a little bit today just to see where I was at and I may be working at like 35% or something it feels like like way 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 down so that's that's kind of a bummer um, but it's also something I mean this is not a fully formed thought yet and maybe this is an entire YouTube video or podcast episode or just interview with somebody who knows what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to this. But there's um kind of the thought of it's almost like uh, like being an athlete and you want to improve your time or your speed or whatever it is. You, you run 100 meters. That's your thing. You're a sprinter. You want to get a better time. You always want to you know, break the world record, whatever it is. <coughs> <clears throat> you're always training to get better throughout your career you're training to 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 improve you don't train to maintain you you you, you train to improve <clears throat> so the uh the idea of i think the idea of doing that when you when you practice with with music as well like i've always practiced to improve to get better um, so when I think about both my health and my physical condition and my playing, I hate to think of training and, and working and practicing just to maintain a certain level, um, whether that be in my physical fitness or with my playing. It's something that's been starting to be a concern. Maybe that's just a mental one and maybe, um, 
physically and playing wise I'm I'm fine and I am still improving but it's definitely a concern moving forward and I don't know how many more times I can get sick like this um without it having a slightly longer lasting effect or taking me much longer to recover from and having to figure out uh much newer and updated uh methods and ideas to 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 mitigate the the sort of the fallout that is inevitable from having uh having poor health like this and when that goes over to my playing i think it's really uh it's something i need to think about it's something i need to think about in my practice in my process in my writing my recording my touring all of that i don't just want to be maintaining some kind of level so it's a little different i guess artistically and, and especially when you're dealing with something subjective there's not a you're not measuring yourself against uh, uh like a like a baseline i hate using that word because i'm a bass player but <clears throat> you know what i mean you're not measuring yourself against the fundamental result or a world record, you know, in athletic terms, for instance, um, I didn't play giant steps in this amount of time last week. So now I need to play it in a, in a faster time. It's not like that at all. It's the how to still feel fulfilled and have fun doing it and feel like I'm, you're making progress and moving forwards and, and doing something new each time. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a new challenge arriving. I was going to say arriving on the horizon, but actually it's 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 popped over the horizon. It's running towards me. It's actually rolling down a hill like an evering, uh, like a snowball increasing in size, and it's about to collide with me. That's how it feels right now. So it's an interesting time. It's not something I'm worried about or afraid of, uh, but it's something I'm very aware of when it comes to you know, making sure I'm ahead of the curve, making sure I'm uh, making good choices and finding, yeah, finding solutions. That's, I mean, that's all, that's the whole process has always been the process. Like, Oh, here's a failure. Here's a, here's an issue. Let's find a solution and fix it. I've always relished that process. Now it's the, the stakes are a little higher, especially when there's health involved and then I have a family and I have, you know, big commitments with, with music that this, the stakes are a lot higher now and uh, a little more pressure, a little more stress. And if you let the stress get to you, I think that maybe diminishes the ability to make good decisions and good choices. So that's what's going through my head. Uh, didn't mean to get all dark uh, by by any means, but um, that's kind of what's going on here. And I think one nice thing this week has been the stress, the sort of birth the book, if you will, um, because it's always such a big project. It's sort of it it sort of overtakes everything. I really, I really can't wait to make this video because it's so. It would be so nice to like show you the whole path through the process and all the way from the inspiration to do it to the discussion to the arc of the 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 educational content in the book and how I want it to work for the reader for the user for the player 
right through the whole thing, like marketing and how much does it cost to make and how much can, you know, how much do we project to make from it and what gets reinvested into the next project and, and how does it all work and how does that all stack up? Um, I mean, I'll give you a little spoiler in that video. Um, I'm planning to open the video with the, with the spoiler, but the books are definitely the highest currently actually yeah and this will be something that evolves i think and is something that has evolved the books are definitely the highest earning revenue stream that i have and that has changed massively over the years it used to be of course it used to be bass playing let's not fuck about here i used to be a bass player sort of uh nostalgic about those days and it's not that i want the books to do worse than they do now i hope the books continue to do well and sell many copies and make a lot of musical uh explorations possible um and also keep a roof over my head who am i kidding they are an important stream of income but um they are the number one source of income right now um and have been for a little while and i hope i can bring the bass playing back and the, the live music thing back up into the number two spot or maybe even with the books um but it's going to be interesting to break down those all of those revenue streams in that video um because there are many of them and many of when I sat down and thought about it, I was like, Oh shit, that's a separate thing. Oh, that's a totally separate. There were so many things when I went back and forth, I was like, Oh, I have to talk about all of these and then sort of categorize them, explain them, put them in context, give them a little bit of history. Maybe, maybe they were huge before, but they're a very small part of my life now. And these are how things change. And in the context of the music business, the music industry in general, there's like a lot of fascinating elements to it. So it's a very involved video. I want to try and make it as concise and well-produced as possible. So it's going to take me probably another day or two to finish scripting. And then probably, <coughs> I don't know, maybe two or three days to shoot and edit. Let's see. So maybe within a week of this podcast, I can kind of have that thing out. Very excited to share that with you with you all. Um, and it's just another way to be honest about the process, you know, <coughs> to really sort of lift the lift the myths shall we say or just demystify it all you know there's no there are no secrets uh, to it all there's no like tips and tricks bullshit it is at the end of the day it's all just hard work um it's just where you direct that that work and that energy is really important um yeah i feel like i have been given way more minutes to talk to you all today than I thought I was going to have. And I'm not going to try and push it and be like, Oh, the podcast has to be an hour. No, I think I'm going to leave it right there. I think it was great to catch up or catch you guys up on everything that's going on. Um, again, I'm psyched for this again, not an ad, but I'm really kind of psyched for this sound ID reference thing from Sonoworks. I'm going to be placing that in a video soon. Uh, of course the book is available. I'll link it in the show notes. It's of course available below the YouTube, uh, video. If you're watching this podcast and listen to this podcast on YouTube, um, physical copies like the one I was just holding at amazon.com and digital copies at my website, tons of play alongs, tons of videos, something I'm actually really excited about on this one. And I've even started adding to it already. The book's only been out a couple of days is in the very last chapter. It's about transcription and I've included complete transcriptions, um, for the first time ever, uh, from live bootlegs. Um, and I'm going to add as I come across, I have dozens of them in my library, but as I, uncover them and rediscover them. I'm going to be adding 
re- just to me really core versions of giant steps into the fourth and final chapter of the of the online material of the stuff that comes uh free with the book the supplementary material so that will kind of keep growing almost like my live archive thing at Yannick's Base Studio. It's something that I can add to all the time. So even though you might buy this book now and it has a certain number of things in it, that will actually keep growing. And hopefully, you know, maybe you won't dig every single last bootleg of Giant Steps that I put in there, but maybe there'll be something that goes, oh man, shit, George Garzon, I dig that. Or Bob Mincer or Mike Brecker or Mark Turner, wh- whoever it is I find in my in my archive to add to that and to let you sort of inside the process of how I have consumed that music. If I wasn't fortunate enough to be at the concert, then I've listened to a lot of live bootleg concerts. And I've been to so many concerts and bootleg so many concerts myself. I I understand how even listening to a concert I haven't been to, I still understand how it felt in the room way more than if I hadn't been to live music. So it's way easier for for me to make that uh, connection and it's just uh, a very important part of my process is immersing myself in the sound of whatever it is I'm working on. So it happens to have been giant steps most recently to complete this book project. Um, but it has been music, period, for the last almost 30 years of my life doing that. Uh, just constantly immersed in the sound of it. So if you get only one thing from today's podcast is just listen more. And hopefully through this book and through being able to add material to that final chapter in the online, the downloadable content stuff, um, I'll be able to help it keep, you know, keep inspiring you um, to listen more the way I have been for so many years. Um, so that's it. I'm going to quit while I'm ahead before my lungs completely break down and uh, hopefully no more trips to urgent care or the emergency room or any of that stuff. That was a little bit of a wobble there, a little bit worrying. Um, and yeah, onwards and onwards. And I'll, I'll try and be back on schedule next week with the podcast and with a bunch of stuff for the main channel. I really want to talk about that. Even though we didn't hit the hundred K goal this month, it has been a huge leap forward. And I'm definitely going to talk about that on the channel. And uh, and see if we can hit the 100K anyway. Maybe it doesn't happen in April, but maybe it happens by the end of next month or, or the middle of the summer. Who knows? It's definitely still a goal. It's not something I'm giving up on just because I failed to do it in the time frame I'd set out originally. So if you're not subscribed already, go over to the main channel, hit the subscribe button. Of course, the podcast channel as well. It all helps. You know, it might not be... Uh, from, you know, from when you, when you you when you think like, oh, well what if I got like 75,000 subscribers there on the main channel right now, but a video gets like maybe 20,000. Like, so it's not everyone that subscribed is watching the video. That's not exactly what that means. And you'll hear a lot of videos about YouTubers saying it's not actually the subscriber count that, that counts. It's more of the watch time that counts. And that is very true, but there is something that the subscriber count uh, is good for. And that is, um, that is validation and sort of brand recognition in a way <coughs> that when I, you know, want to get a high profile guest to come on and, you know, if I have 2000 subscribers, they're going to be like, oh, well, this is the, what, what is this? But if I have a hundred thousand subscribers, like, oh, this is a legitimate audience and uh, the people are more inclined to say yes. And the more great people that are inclined to say yes, the more great insight I can bring you as an interviewer 
from them. Uh, just the more things we can get done. Um, and of course, the ultimate goal is the more live concerts that we can make happen and bring the focus back to live music. That is the absolute the absolute goal at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, as always, you guys rock. Thanks for your support. And hopefully I come back to you next week um, far more prepared and in much better health to, uh, to tackle the podcast. All right, that's it. Later. Thank <laughs> you.